So what I thought I would do, and I've been doing this, I did this the other night, is do a quick I Ching reading. And I do that by putting my screen up here. Um, I get a screen here, right here, so that I can then draw the hexagram. So I take these coins, these three coins, right there, and I throw them off to the side here. So I'm gonna roll. And then I'm going to write down the lines that I get starting from the bottom and work up. That's how you do it with I Ching. All right. So we have rolled a three plus four is seven. And that gives us a Yang line. And then we roll the next one. And this is for... Just a nice little general reading for the weekend to avoid strife and tribulations and that kind of thing. And then we rolled a another seven. That's another yang. And then we rolled another seven. Another yang. And then we rolled another seven. Another yang. And then we rolled a six, seven, eight. Which was a yin. And then we rolled a nine, which is a moving yang, like that. So there's our I Ching hexagram. Now let's look at what it gives us. So the top is a yang. You don't you you don't talk about the moving yet until later in the reading. So it's a yang, a yin, and a yang. And that is fire. Now the bottom trigram is three yangs. And that is the, uh, basically the, the sun, sunburst type element. And I have my, or like otherwise known as heaven, heaven, sun, you know, that force on the bottom. So now what I do is I look at my chart here and I say, okay, I have fire on top and um, heaven on the bottom. And so I move, I see fire on top here and I see heaven on the bottom. And so I match them up and it becomes 14. It's the 14th hexagram that we're going to look for in the wonderful I Ching book. Fire on top of heaven. What an interesting sort of image that, that puts in the mind. All right, let's find it. I am going to use for this one, this version of the I Ching, which is the great 
probably the most famous English version of the I Ching in the world. It's the uh, one by Wilhelm Baines, 1950. It was put together. Um, so I go to the 14th. Seventeen. Here we are. Fourteen. Okay, so this is what the I Ching has to say for our weekend. Tayu, that's the name of it. On top we have the clinging flame. On the bottom we have the creative heaven. The name of this is Tayu, otherwise known in English as possession in great measure. The fire in heaven above shines far, and all things stand out in the light and become manifest. The weak fifth line occupies the place of honor. That's this fifth line here, the yin considered the weak force. It's the place of honor. And all the strong lines, all these other yin, uh, yang lines around this one weak line are in accord with it. All things come to the person who is modest and kind in a high position. The judgment is possession in great measure. Supreme success. It's a very successful, powerful reading for our weekend. Possession, things that you have. Success, using your abilities and your high position in whatever it is we're talking about here, however you want to apply this, using it well. The two trigrams indicate that strength and clarity unite. Possession in great measure is determined by fate and accords with time. I'm going to take these off. The headphones sometimes have become a little distracting for me. How is it possible that the weak line has power to hold the strong lines fast and to possess them? It is done by virtue of unselfish modesty. The time is favorable, a time of strength within, clarity and culture without. Power is expressing itself in a graceful and controlled way. This brings supreme success and wealth. Fire in heaven above, the image of possession in great measure. Thus, the superior man curbs evil and furthers good, and thereby obeys the benevolent will of heaven. The sun in heaven above, shedding light over everything on earth, is the image of possession on a grand scale. But a possession of this sort must be administered properly. The sun brings both evil and good into the light of day. Man must combat and curb the evil, and must favor and promote the good. Only in this way does he fulfill the benevolent will of God, who desires only good and not evil. 
Now we come to the moving lines. As I said, we drew, we did a nine up here. That indicates a moving yan line at the uh, yang line at the top. And what this uh, the book says is nine at the begin. Uh, sorry, we're looking at nine at the end at the top. Nine at the top means he is blessed by heaven, good fortune, nothing that does not further. In other words, nothing happens that doesn't further our cause. Nothing happens that doesn't help us move forward and help us gain what it is we are looking for this, this weekend. This is really an incredibly powerful I Ching. It goes on to say about this moving nine at the top. In the fullness of possession and at the height of power, one remains modest and gives honor to the sage who stands outside the affairs of the world. By this means, one puts oneself under the, bene the beneficent influence descending from heaven, and all goes well. Confucius says of this moving nine line at the top, To bless means to help. Heaven helps the man who is devoted. Men help the man who is true. He who walks in truth and is devoted in his thinking, and furthermore, reveres the worthy, is blessed by heaven. He has good fortune, and there is nothing that would not further. The entire image keeps mentioning the great favorable situation, the ability to have supreme success, but keeps reminding one to use one's power, to use one's gain, to use one's possession modestly, to maintain that modest outlook, that modest behavior so that you can be open to the, the benefit of, of the subtle forces coming from heaven, the creative forces. And the idea is to always be open to what the sage has to say, the wise person has to say. To never think of yourself as in command of everything. You are always open and available, even when you are succeeding and being at the height of your power. And that's the big message of this 14th hexagram in the I Ching. It's, it's very interesting how they, um, they, they put modesty and great wealth and possession together and show how they must operate together. That's a good start. And also what they say about the sun, let's, let's bring that back to the tarot. And ex Grinch, I see what you're saying. You went to an engagement ring appointment, planned timeline for the day didn't add up. Finally saw your girlfriend. She says, you know, I have your location, right? Oh, <laughs> so that's kind of, that's kind of funny, man. Oh, man. <laughs> ah, yeah, that, that's pretty funny. That's really funny. I, <laughs> So you, so you're kind of busted, huh? You were caught wedding ring shopping, or um, uh, your engagement engagement ring shopping. 
<laughs> I busted. Oh boy, that's so funny. That's like a perfect scenario. Um, yeah, you you guys must have had a good laugh about that. <laughs> that's actually really good. That's that uh, that's very good. Um, you know, uh, that's a very good indicator for the future. If you like, <laughs> that's kind of charming, you know. So, but, uh, so here you go with, you know, this I Ching reading very, the, the I Ching tends to have a very healthy approach, but I was, I was going to draw the comparison to the tarot in what they said about the sun. They say, um, the image of fire in heaven above possession in great measure, superior man curbs evil and furthers good and thereby obeys the benevolent will of heaven. And it says, the sun in heaven above, shedding light over everything on earth, is the image of possession on a grand scale. But a possession of this sort must be administered properly. The sun brings both good and evil into the light of day. Now, this is what I've always mentioned about the sun card in the tarot, the major arcana sun card, which is you can't always solely interpret the sun as this cheerful, you know, fully positive element, because you have to acknowledge that sometimes the sun can be overbearing. It can, it can create, its intensity can bring things to light that are, that are dark, that are not necessarily good. As the I Ching warns, it can bring to light evil and good in equal measure. So the sun card you have to be very careful of and pay attention to reversals with that. Because, um, you know, anything you shed light upon, light is clarifying. Light illuminates and brings the truth forward. And you have to be prepared for what you see. So the sun card is more complex than just pointing out the fact that usually it shows, shows two children frolicking. It, you know, it, it, it could also show other aspects of the situation that are not as cheerful. Uh, so that's interesting little correspondence again. I like to find these relationships between tarot and I, I Ching. It, it just, it, it, I think it's a good a good way to go because one sort of refreshes the other a little bit. They kind of, uh, they kind of enrich each other. If you, if you take that attitude. Well, good. Yes. I think washing dishes while you listen to tarot is probably the best way to wash dishes ever invented. <clears throat> now, let me, since we did a quick I Ching, I'm going to run over here and do a quick tarot. The I Ching can't just dominate the whole thing. I, if, if this is a tarot stream, then the tarot has to show up one way or another. I'm sorry, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to let the I Ching just sort of control the entire room, you know.
getting better at shuffling. <laughs> Slightly. <laughs> I don't think it's really how you get better at shuffling. I think it's that the cards start to sort of loosen up a little bit the more you you work through them. All right. Let me see. I'm just going to I'm going to pull three cards out of our deck. And as with the tarot, the idea uh, with the I Ching, the idea here is to give ourselves a nice little general impression. And what do we start out with? Right at the top, beginning sort of the flag on top of the hill for this reading is the Three of Wands. And we're talking about our creative drive, our will to do things, our will to have things, to our will to come close to someone, this unstoppable inner fire that propels us toward whatever it is we want. It's that energy. That's what the fire wands, they're all about. You can call them wands. You can call them clubs. You can call them torches. You can call them sticks. You, you know, they... What, what are some of the other words? I can't remember even now, but they, they represent that drive energy that people have. What inspires you is, is that force. And the three is, you know, something to do. There's, a, there's something we need to like go forward and, and just jump into. That's what the three is. So it's like for this weekend, there's something, even if it's cleaning the dishes, uh, there's a pile of dishes and uh, I've been thinking about them, uh, but I've been watching TV and I've been real lazy and I've been just hanging out, having a nice sleepy old time. But that pile has been there for like four days. And I'm going to creatively follow my innermost desire and jump into that pile of dishes and just clean the hell out of them so they've never sparkled like this in all of my personal history before okay so that's what this three is it's that i'm gonna do this thing that i've sort of been planning i just haven't quite been able to step into it. i'm gonna boom i'm gonna just knock it out <laughs> it could be you know i want to hang a swing in the backyard i'm gonna finally go to the hardware store get the rope and tie it to the darn tree uh, it, that's what that three is telling us is the big thing for the next couple of days. And over here, we have the world upside down. The world is, you know, uh, this sort of semi-dancing. I, I don't know if you can really call that dancing. More like balancing. You know, she's in the position in this particular artwork her legs are in the same position that the hangman's legs are uh, upside down. That leg sort of crossed over the other one or crossed behind the other one. That's an interesting little idea. But the world is all about sort of being at a, st having reached a full, full development, having got, gotten somewhere where you were wanting to go, it's taken a while and you achieved something quite major very significant, profound, something that really affects you, other people maybe, but your situation very deeply. 
So it's a, has got a, it's got a sense of completion. It kind of represents the area numerically of around the nine and the ten, and you know you've done it. You're whole now. That's why I, you're in this circular thing, and you know you got this wreath around. You're in the whole. The world is now encompassed. You 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 fill the world. Your your achievement is your world. It has you have achieved a true definition. You have, you know, you have distinguished yourself in this particular scenario, but it's reversed. And so that means there's something to do that we're leaving, that we're not getting, we're, we're not there. We're not there yet. We're missing this. We're, we're ignoring something that really needs to be, to be finalized. This, this reversal here, it's, 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 it's basically kicking us in the rear a little bit saying, Hey, you know what? You're not done yet. Don't, don't think that you're there because yeah, you've got to step into action and do the dishes or do the garage or hang the swing. Yeah. But you haven't actually, there's something major that you're leaving unattended. And then we get an upside down ace of cups and the cup is this sort of very almost royal castle-like looking temple of the heart. And it represents that full infinite potential of feeling and so that there's something that here coming up that we need to we need to pay attention to consciously so what the, what this card on the right is saying is this over here on the left is more of an unconscious issue that you're not really aware of this lack of being able to fully get to some some goal and over here on the right is something that you you can fully think about and keep keep in your mind like a mantra and that is to allow yourself to actually feel what it is that you feel and not avoid it perhaps there's something being pushed aside or kept down repressed in our feelings our emotional life that is not being given a room to breathe and this card that's what this card upside down is saying you that there's something that you're not you're not willing to accept your feelings on and you kind of need to so keep that in mind that may help even as you step forward into some creative energy the cards kind of want us to perhaps think that maybe this energy isn't doing the garage but is a little bit more in line with putting our energy and direction and putting our will toward what it is we need to do to get closer to what our true feelings are, to really figure out what it is we're feeling about some particular thing. And it seems to want us to do this soon, this weekend. Um, because there's something about what we're not dealing with directly in our feelings, in our heart, that's keeping us from fully feeling comfortable with ourselves over here. When you feel comfortable with yourself, you end up sort of the whole integrated person represented by this card. That's kind of just a, 
you know, that's one of those hints that is, it's just the tarot saying, you know, don't fritter away your time with non-essentials. Think about what matters to you. Because if you're ignoring what matters to you over here, in the upside down Ace of Cups, then you won't be able to become full, be your full self over here. You want to be your best self, ultimately. That's what our goal really is with tarot. It's always to try to be our best self. Like, that's what self-improvement is. All the, all the stuff with self-help books, and we want to be our best self. How, like, you know, you know, this card is like the card that says every individual is a superhero, right? In some sense, some manner of, of, of feeling, every human has some qualities that put them on a sort of a superhero level. And you have to find that about yourself. What is that part of you that is at that level? And so really following your heart is quite often facing your feelings quite often the road to getting toward that best self. That's a mega important job of every person. Um, now I need some water. You know, I've gotten to the point where I have to drink water as sparkling water. I cannot drink flat water anymore. It's ridiculous. It's, I, I hate it. I can drink it at the gym, but that's because at the gym I'm taking very short little sips. Um, but anywhere outside of the gym, I can't stand it if it's not sparkling water. So that's a nice little reading, actually. I like the fact that the tarot doesn't always just, and neither does the I Ching, but it doesn't just reaffirm what we want or what we're doing. It pushes us to self-improve. It pushes us. And by self-improve, I don't mean that in like some selfish way of, I want to be super duper, you know, so that I can just get rich. I mean, you know, it's self-improvement means you improve yourself and thereby improve the entire world. You, you make yourself more capable of doing good things. And as our I Ching reading said today, if you have things, you have great possession, great reward and great power, an achievement, you have to maintain your modesty so that you can do good. It's very easy when you get possession and lots of things and success to do bad, to actually make things worse for other people. But the modest, true person that's truly in touch with higher power and is open to the messages that 
as the I Ching says, come from heaven. And you don't have to be religious to use the word heaven. They're using it as in the terms of higher force, higher energy, even when they use the word God. You know, we're talking about people who are like many of them were Buddhists. They don't have God, but they use the word. Um, it indicates a higher sort of awareness and energy. Uh, and and these messages, you have to, you can't receive them. And you can't really do good in the world unless you maintain your modesty and have a humbleness about you, even if you have great wealth and success. That's what's so great about the reading we just did with the I Ching. And the tarot mentions very similar things. You can't achieve full integration, your full higher self, unless the actions you take ultimately are aimed at truly seeing what is in your heart, truly finding your heart. And there's always something in the cups. When you talk about the heart, it's very hard to talk about, well, what if the heart is evil? But, but see, once you sort of get into the evil realm, you're actually moving away from the heart. You know, the heart is usually a healthy impulse in its original nature. And that's what the cups represent. The cups lean always toward love and not toward uh, hatred. And, the, you know, the, when, when things are upside down, it means something's blocked and closed and there's danger of leaning toward the dark side. But you want to act, you, the cups always are naturally in the light side, as in Star Wars with the, there's the, the light and side and there's the dark side the force can be used there's the dark force and the light force you know there's there's these you know and if you fall into the dark side and become darth vader it's really been your choice to do that to ignore the authentic uh, power of the force and they communicate that in that in star wars very well actually i think that's like probably the reason Star Wars has been so successful is this focus on this idea of how there's lightsabers used for the light side and there's lightsabers used for the dark side and how the balancing of these forces works is what makes Star Wars so interesting to people. You know, so it's... Uh, Always interesting. The world card in tarot can be a little terrifying. It, it it because it's you know you get to the card that represents the ultimate in the series of the major arcana, and it's like oh god, this is like the big one, isn't it? This is what this is what the all the major cards lead to. <laughs> How do I make sense of that? You know the god. It's like. Uh, it's the end of the movie. You know, it's the big scene at the end where the meaning is clarified and everything is resolved. What the hell? <laughs> but you can you can keep it down, sort of a, simplify. It's like the world card is this true self being your best, truest, actual, real self. And 
it's not that easy. Uh, the entire goal of Buddhism, that entire religion and philosophy, it has one goal, and that is to find your actual self. You know? And I was watching a film on Buddhism a couple nights ago. Some young guy, you know, I, th I think he was a guy from India, made a really nice YouTube video about Buddhism, talking about the four noble truths of Buddhism. You know, the fact that there is suffering, the fact that uh, people can... They can acknowledge and work on getting past suffering. Uh, the fact that there's also a, a nirvana, or something. I can't remember even what they are, but he, he, ultimately the goal of the Four Noble Truths is to say that there are these problems. We know that they exist. There is pain, but they can be, you can work to eliminate or reduce this pain of being in existence, and you can find your ultimate real self. Uh, and they were also saying in this little film how the self is actually there right from the beginning, which is something I say about the tarot, because the idea in the tarot is that the fool, which is the zero card, the first card in the Major Arcana is on a journey through the Major Arcana cards all the way up to the World card that we've been talking about. But what I often say to people is, let's look at the Fool card right at the beginning, the Zero card. It's quite possible that the Fool already has everything they need. They already are their full person. They're enjoying life. They're rather carefree. They are willing to go out on the journey with no doubt whatsoever that they're doing the right thing, even in the face of danger. They maintain enthusiasm for this discovery. Ultimately, they really are an integrated person right at the start, but they go through the journey anyway to get to the world. Now, why? Why would the fool go on the journey if the fool was already there? Well, the answer to me seems simple. The fool goes on the journey for us. Why else would the fool do it? If the fool is full, and integrated and happy. I mean, he would have to be, or she would have to be, in order to be the fool, frankly. There's really no other way. The fool doesn't mean stupid. The fool means, you know, the lover of life, the perpetually enthusiastic, the perpetually inexplicably content and happy even content and happy where it makes no sense to be. But you can only be that if you really are a true self. A, you it, that's 
that's, I mean, how else would you be fully content and happy in a war zone? <laughs> I mean, you know, so the fool is there already. The fool has already gotten through the tarot. But the fool takes us through the tarot now. It's an act of generosity. That's what is going on. That is the message of, of the tarot. It's hidden. It's a little bit hidden because we want to think of the fool as, oh, they that idiot has so much to learn, right? But wise people always kind of look like a little bit like the fool, a little suspect, a little idiotic. Why would they even do that? Why did the Buddha say to people, if you meet me on a bridge, slay me? Well, that is to mean that I'm not that important. I'm not the thing. The Buddha isn't the thing. The thing is actually you and finding yourself. I'm just maybe a hint along the way, and then you can discard me. And there was another example they put into this little movie about Buddhism, how the Buddha had said, Buddhism or the Four Noble Truths or whatever, the path of Buddhism to find yourself, to find nirvana, is like a raft. And when you cross a river, you get onto the raft and you cross the river. But then what do you do with the raft? Do you put it on your back and carry it? Not normally. Not unless it's a canoe and you're looking to cross a mile and go to another river, then sure. But by and large, when you cross the river, you tie the raft up and leave it at the dock. <laughs> it's the same way with Buddhism. Buddhism is only the raft. It's not the actual thing that you're looking for. And so that's why the Buddha would say, slay me if you meet me, because he's saying, I'm not the, the thing you're looking for. You have to be willing to forget me. It's, I'm not important. Now, most like leaders and religions and cults and things, they are important. They want you to know they're the important thing. But see, that's a key distinction between people who are, you know, looking for something true and people who are not. People who are looking for something true tend to say, I'm not the, I'm not the deal. I'm not the thing. You don't have to listen to anything. You don't have to pay any attention whatsoever. The thing is actually in you. It's you. It's, it's all about you and what you find. And, uh, it, you know, it, it's, it's fascinating stuff to think about, you know. Um, and you can bounce around philosophically with these things a lot. Like, okay, well, if the speaker isn't the thing, then why is the speaker speaking at all? <laughs> right? Why is somebody streaming tarot if they aren't, to some degree, the thing? Well, you know, it's it's all sort of an you, you have to kind of want to be the fool. You just have to kind of emulate the fool, I think, in life. You have to do things that inspire you, where your instincts lead you, that seem positive, that, that, that a positive charge and you go that way, 
and you express things that because humans they all want to express things so people the buddha anyone who writes a, a really good self-help or self-improvement book or something like or spiritual book or whatever you call them if they're expressing something that seems to like come through them and they feel like it's true then they're just doing what is human nature and it furthers things along it puts things into the pool for everybody to draw from because it's not easy for everyone to do things like find their true self they they get stuck and other people doing and saying things visibly to them like the fool taking us on the journey of the tarot they help they nudge people in positive directions um hopefully i mean that's the thing you have to have a nose for for sniffing out the positive so that you don't get stuck in something that's not positive and and you get trapped in some you know something that's represented by the devil card the devil card in tarot is that warning you get stuck in something that's not actually following the positive trail that's actually leading leading you down into some sort of captivity and you know isolation and stuck in someone else's domain that's not good uh so these things all have these warnings you know um and if you're if you're someone like me any of us that that stream tarot let's say um you there are different ways of doing it there are different mindsets and like somebody might be coming at tarot from a very i don't know a very uh um superficial uh, you know way and it, it and they might want you to think of them in a particular way as having some sort of a key you know and you got to be careful with this stuff because you know nobody really has any key to anything they don't uh they only have hints and their own sort of basic nose for following the positive trail, the scent that leads toward people being more themselves and being free to be themselves, not free just to listen to you. You know, if, if, if people get an idea, they, then that's, that's one of the big, one of the best things I've ever heard from anything in any religion is that buddhist thing where the buddha warned people if you run into me and you see me in front of you kill me and that's not a literal that's not telling someone yeah if you find a priest somewhere kill him it's, it's you know it's not a stupid statement it's a metaphorical statement it's a statement meaning don't get locked in don't be the devil card. Don't get stuck just worshiping this Buddha. This guy who had all these maybe wonderful things to say, but nonetheless, he's not the important thing. The priest isn't the important thing. The leader isn't the important thing. The speaker isn't the important thing. It's 
finding the ultimate true reality and the self and being the best, best possible self that, you know, full awareness. The tarot leads us toward full awareness, just like any healthy philosophy does, always pointing toward some kind of full awareness of real, the real self, real existence, what it means, what it is, how it really feels to get at least close to it, you know? So, and if you get focused on some person, you cannot, you're blinded. You're looking at an image of, of just that person. Like if you're just looking at a stream, like with a person, like this guy sitting here, and that's all you're thinking about, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the actual thing in the in you in the listener the actual goal of the the gold or the diamond the diamond in the person that you have to seek the diamond in yourself that you're seeking not the person delivering this or that information very interesting i love to think about these things you know Because when you think about them, when you just touch upon them, they automatically have the effect of bringing you into a more humble attitude. So really, all you have to do, and the tarot is great for this, because the tarot constantly reminds us to think about things. And by reminding us, it actually helps us to eliminate too much ego. Um... And you get you get a humble quality in your outlook, which you, you really, I think, uh, helps a lot in general. You know, so there's a that's interesting. I was like, <laughs> but see that this is this is why I like the tarot because a card like the world comes up along with an upside down. Ace of Cups, and it inspires the mind to go barreling down these trails of philosophical thought. And that's what tarot is. Tarot is really not a prediction machine. It isn't a fortune-telling machine. It's a philosophical machine. It's a system for opening up closed minds and breaking habits. That's really what tarot is. It's the first self-help book, for God's sake. That's what it is. <laughs> it's the first one. <laughs> it's, it's, it's humankind's original self-help book. You know, when you go through the bookstore and you find the self-help section. The tarot is the first damn one. <laughs> Anuha, thank you. I didn't even know Anuha was there. I had no idea. Thank you so much for that follow. Which means 
Anuha that you can probably like when I stream, when I decide to, to go online, you'll know. And you can come and totally take part in these things. Um, because, uh, you know, I do readings for people request readings. Golden Silence, hi, how are you? I have been going down my road of philosophical ponderings because I got the world card and I, and in the reading just now, general sort of thing. And I love the way the tarot gets that part of the mind going. Um, it's just so fun. But that's why, you know... Streaming tarot is you you, you 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 always have material. You can never run out of material with tarot. I mean, you may be a little tired. Like some nights, I kind of sit down and I'm like, "Ooh, if nobody has a question to ask, I can't. I can't. Like, I don't know. I'm just not. I'm just not full of thoughts today, and that's fine. Sometimes that you can't always be running a marathon. Um, but on other days, you know, you get. You get inspired to say stuff and follow these lines. You know, there's tons of info. You're right, Golden. There's like, there's so, and look, if you go and look in a bookstore and you find tarot books, everybody has a different way, even if they're very similar ideas about the cards, they have different ways of expressing them. And so by looking at all these different ways people have, you, you, you increase your vocabulary. So as a reader and as a, as a questioner, you get more vocabulary for understanding what the tarot is suggesting. 